And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And as his disciples said, and his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all aside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means little girl. I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Thank you. We've been in the book of Mark looking at the encounters people had with Jesus. And we started off by seeing John the Baptist encountering Jesus. And in that encounter, we saw the intention, the intention of Jesus to stand in our place and the anointing of Jesus as king. We saw a group of friends lowering a paralyzed man to Jesus, where the, in that encounter, Jesus healed and also forgave. Last week, Pastor Josh spoke about an encounter with a man that had leprosy. And we saw how Jesus entered in, in that encounter, entered in and encountered and touched our sickness and he made the unclean pure. Our next encounter with Jesus starts with Jesus being surrounded with a great crowd of people. That seems to be kind of the norm at this point. Everywhere Jesus went, people went. It, it makes sense. He was performing miracles. He was teaching with power and authority. So everywhere Jesus was at this point, there were people around him. People wanted to, to be around. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to see what he would do next. You're going to cast out some more demons. You're going to heal some more people. What are you going to do, Jesus? I want to check it out. I want to see it. 
Then in the middle of the story comes a man named Jairus. He's a ruler of a synagogue. That means he was the lay president. He was the lay ruler, the lay leader. He was, um, what we know about him probably was that he was a man of great devotion to God. Great respectability, probably wealthy, probably very prominent in the community. But he comes to Jesus, this wealthy, prominent, respected man, comes to Jesus desperate. He basically comes to Jesus and says, my girl, she's as good as dead. The language he uses is she might, not, she might die, but it's more she is about to die. She's about to, she's on death's door in Jesus. So this important man, this important ruler, falls at the feet of this carpenter, this itinerant teacher, falls at his feet and says, my girl is on death's door. Will you heal? So Jesus does what you would think he was going to say. He says, yeah. Now, on the one hand, you can imagine the excitement of Jairus. He's this guy's coming, the one who's healed. At the same time, you can also be like, is it too late? Was I too late? I hope, I hope, I hope there's enough time. Am I going to get back to, to my daughter with this guy in time? Is it too late? And so all of a sudden, the crowd's excited. They're like, oh, man, we can't see Jesus do a miracle. It's going to happen. Yes. So they're all pumped up, and they're excited. They're all around him, and they're going. And they're going to go save this important man's precious little girl. I mean, that's, if you want to see something, that's what you want to see. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you want to see, if you're here to see a miracle, you, you, this is worth the price of admission. This is what you wanted to see. And so the crowd is surrounding Jesus, and they're going. And then in the middle of this story, as Jesus and a great crowd of people are on their way to save this little girl, we hear about another girl. Not the precious 12-year-old daughter of an important man, but a, a woman who's been suffering for 12 years. Now, we don't know much about this woman, but here's what we do know. We know that this woman had some problem with the discharge of blood for the past 12 years. We know that this has led her to physically suffer from it, and that it caused her great pain, that she suffered from this issue. For 12 years, she suffered. That word suffered is not a word that you just take lightly. It's not like, oh, she was mildly annoyed. She suffered. We know that his suffering was so bad that she spent all that she had, that she went from doctor to doctor to get it fixed, but nothing worked. Instead of getting better, it actually got worse. But I also want you to understand that she didn't just suffer physically. We know that culturally, because of the discharge of blood, would have made her this incredible word, this really difficult word, the word that Pastor Josh spoke about last week, would have called her un clean. Powerful word. Would have called her an outcast, separate. So much so that if anything that she touched was deemed unclean. If you touched her, you were deemed unclean. This woman was, was suffering not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, because she wasn't even allowed to enter into the temple. There's, there's different layers of the temple. There's different like kind of circles of, of areas that you're allowed to go into. And women, if you were of, of the right descent and the right situation, you're allowed to go to the second level. But the fourth level was the levels for the, the Gentiles, the people who don't know. She wasn't even allowed in that, that, that circle, that realm of the temple. She was completely cast out. Culture called her unclean, called her dirty. People who touched her were considered unclean or dirty. So here she was, who suffered for 12 years physically in pain, but also emotionally. So here's this woman. She's tried everything there is to try. Went from every doctor 
to doctor. She might have tried weird medicines. She might have tried that thing that you probably shouldn't try, but she tried anyway. She tried weird surgery. Whatever she tried, she tried all that there is to do. But then she hears about Jesus, about a man who performed miracles. And she thinks, maybe me too. I mean, just maybe. So she says, okay, where's he going to be? And she finds out that Jesus is going to be right there in this location. She, she goes to him. But in the middle of this, in the middle of this situation, she goes. He's surrounded by a, a great crowd of people going towards rescuing a, a, a precious little girl. So she thinks to herself, I, just, I can't stop this. Who am I? I'm unclean. I can't even talk to this guy. What can I do? Maybe, maybe I can reach out and touch his cloak. Maybe there's enough power there. Maybe it won't heal me, but maybe it'll give me a little ease. Maybe it'll do something. I don't know what her motivations were, but we know that she didn't stop Jesus. She just reached out. She didn't stop this great crowd of momentum. She just reached out, and she touched the cloak of Jesus. And incredibly, she's healed. Scripture says here, and immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Incredible. Amazing. Hallelujah. Awesome story. This is what it's about. Healing done. Okay. She's healed. Great little side story. I mean, it's a cool little side story. This is what Jesus does, right? He heals people. So it's a good little additional side story that shows that Jesus heals people. But something crazy happens. Something that doesn't really kind of make sense. Jesus stops. Remember again, once again, there's a crowd of people, and they're on their way. They're all excited. They're pumped. They're, it's like a crowd going to see the Super Bowl. It's like a crowd going to see their favorite game. They're excited. They're like, ain't nothing stopping me. It's like me going to a Gator game. I got my Gator gear on. I'm, I'm, I'm chomping away. I'm ready for the game to start. I'm going. There's nothing stopping me. And then somebody says, whoa, 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 stop. We're not going to watch the game right now. I got something else going. I'm like, what? That's what's happening here. These people are excited to see a miracle. They're excited to see the rescue of a precious little girl. They want to go see this thing, but then Jesus in the middle of it just stops. And he says this weird statement. He says, who touched me? And the disciples are looking around like, Jesus, who touched you? There's like a million people here. Like, I probably bumped into you five times. You know, like, <laughs> who touched you? I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then Jesus is like, no, no, no. Who touched me? And he looked around to see who's done it. And the woman knew that he was talking about her. The woman knew that he knew that he was talking about her. So with fear and trembling, it says in verse 33, with fear and trembling, she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, this is the way I picture it in my mind. Here's this woman, and she knows that she's healed. She knows the unclean one touched the clean one. She knows the unclean one touched the teacher. Now what does that mean? That means he's supposed to be unclean, right? That's what that means. So she's thinking, oh my goodness, what did I do? I mean, I was so desperate, but I just made, I touched him. That means he's unclean. What is he going to do to me? She's thinking, man, he's going to take it back. He's going to strike me down. He's going to, I made him unclean, so he's going to whatever. She doesn't know. Maybe she doesn't know how this whole powerful healing thing works. Maybe Jesus has a power bar, you know, and his power is now drained down because he, the power was used on her and there's no power left for the little girl. She doesn't know what's happening. She doesn't know what's going to happen to her. 
But she does know that he's talking about her. So she falls down at his feet. Falls down at his feet and with fear and with trembling, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what this is all about, with fear and trembling, says, it says she tells him the whole truth. I don't know what the whole truth means. It could be like, it was me, and that's the whole truth. But it could also mean, Jesus, I've been suffering for 12 years. Jesus, I've been in pain for so long. Yes, it was me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have touched you, but I, I, I needed it so bad. Tells him the whole truth. And this is the way I like to picture it. It doesn't necessarily say it this way, but this is the way I like to picture it. I like to see here, I, I picture it, just her on her face and just telling Jesus the whole truth, just saying, I, I just, I'm sorry, but I just needed to. And I picture Jesus just getting down on his knees next to her, touching her, the one who was never used to being touched, touching her face, looking at her, and saying, daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Guys, I want you to understand that Jesus did not need to stop. The healing was already done, right? Her physically, her healing was done. Could you imagine Jairus' heart attack he was having at this point? As the crowd was going, and he's like, rescue my daughter, she's on death's door. This is an emergency problem. I don't know if you guys ever, like, watch ER or anything like that, or ever been to an emergency room. When you go to an emergency room, you have, like, a little cut that you have a Band-Aid on, and you're just kind of sitting there at the emergency room. They don't really care about you that much. I mean, it's just truth. They're like, okay, you can sit there until the doctor's ready to see you, because you're not, you're not at death's door. But if you came in with, like, five gunshots, you're like, oh, okay, we need to see you right now. Right? There, there was an emergency situation where, like, this woman was suffering for 12 years, but she's been suffering. She can suffer some more. She's not at death's door. But Jesus does something crazy. He stops this whole procession. But he did it for a reason. Because, once again, you know, we also said that the healing happened. Her body was healed. But there was something missing in that healing, something lacking. And it was given to her when Jesus said those words. Daughter. See, what she was lacking, what she suffered from was a loneliness, a spiritual death, and an emotional decay that needed so much more, that needed a father, that needed God to say, daughter, that you're known and you're loved and you're called according to purpose. That's what he said in those words. When he stopped everything, looked at her and said, daughter, said, no, 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 I know you. You might think no one knows you, but I know you. And I love you. I want to share with you an article that I read. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But in this article that I read, it was in the Boston Globe. And it said, had this quote by a Surgeon General named Vicki Murphy. Surgeon General of the United States. And she said that um, in many times in recent years, that the most prevalent health issue in the country is not cancer or heart disease or obesity. is isolation. is loneliness. This article in particular said that the biggest health concern of middle-aged men was loneliness. And the article, the guy who wrote this article is literally sitting here and like, he's like, he was asked to write this article and he's like, loneliness? I have like a lot of friends on Facebook. You know, I, 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 see, my, I see those guys, the soccer dads that we, you know, we hang out with occasionally. Loneliness, what do you mean loneliness? But then he went and kind of evaluated his life and he was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't really have any friends. 
And he kind of went through. He says that he works all day. He comes home, and he has to have kid time. He called it data time. And so he has to have an hour or two of kid time, maybe if he's lucky a day, if there's no meetings or uh, things, work doesn't go out extra late. And then weekends involves all around the sporting events of his children. So he'd go to sporting events of his kids, and where he'd meet somebody, be like, oh, it's Billy's dad, and say, hey, Billy's dad, hey, Joe's dad. I'm just making up random names here. But um, I'd be like, hey, and that's, he's like, we're not really friends. We, we say hi and kind of, hey, how's your kid? Oh, kid doing well. Oh, good form in that soccer. You know, whatever they say. I don't think they say good form, but I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. I'm still, but Josiah's only three, so I haven't gotten to that point yet. Soon. I, I believe Tuesday, this Tuesday, is my very first soccer shots uh, thing. So maybe I'll be that dad now. I'm going to walk up and I'm going to be like, good, good, good job, buddy. Um, but loneliness. The Surgeon General said loneliness. Guys, can, can I tell you, it actually, um, I, didn't, I should have printed up the whole article because I didn't think I was going to go into all the other stats. But it talked about stats on um, death and um, uh, heart blood pressure and all these other stats that had all these different studies done by Oxford and uh, all these different places. And it was incredible to see, but honestly, more than anything else, don't we see that in our own lives? Don't we often see the pain of loneliness? Don't you guys hear, when I say it over and over again, I always say the human condition is this, that we want to be known, and we want to be loved, and we want to have purpose. That's why I say it. I believe the human condition that I talk about comes from a, an innate desire, an innate need that we have as human beings to not be alone. And here was this bleeding woman who was alone. And here's so many of us in this country, in this world, who are honestly, we feel alone. Because in many ways, I feel like in America, especially with all the social media and all this kind of stuff, that we've gotten really good at pretending to have friends. And I want you guys to know that, you know, maybe some of you guys can relate to the bleeding woman in physical, physical hurt. Maybe you can be here. Maybe you're sitting here today. You're like, Lawrence, no, no, I have an ailment. And let me, I wanted to tell you that Jesus, yes, can he, forget, he can heal you even now. And he reaches out to you. And even if right now the will isn't for your body to be 100% healed, I want you to know that he is with you in this time. But most of us can easily relate. Most of us can relate to and understand the point that even if you're the most gregarious social person in the world can relate to the idea of, of being lonely. And I'll be honest with you guys. Most of you guys probably look at me like, Lawrence, you, you see way too many people, hang out with way too many people, that I can relate to the idea of being lonely. And I want you to understand something. This is so true for us now, is that Jesus stopped everything, stopped this whole momentum of this movement to say that you are not alone, that you are known, and that you are loved. Guys, can you not miss that today? That we were made to be in community, and community is hard. We're made to be in community, but the way we're made, because the image of God that is in us, we're made to be in community, we're made to walk this life together, but community is hard because our fallen nature makes us fall away from it, makes us naturally tend to decay. But Jesus stopped so that we can have community. Jesus stopped that we can be known, we can be loved, we can have purpose, and then he stops now so that we can have community together as the followers of Jesus on purpose for the advancement of his kingdom. 
I want you to understand that in his stopping, that he stopped ultimately upon the cross. That his momentum, his track of his life, he stopped ultimately upon the cross so that in the cross, that, that we can be known through the cross, that all of us, our, our deepest, darkest sins uh, behind every mask that we put on, that we can be known fully for who we are, our motivations, our aspirations, our secrets that we have, that we can actually just be real and vulnerable and known. But through the cross, in the midst of all of that darkness that's in us, we can be loved. I love the good news of the gospel. And I want you to hear this. The good news of the gospel for me is not just, yeah, you get to go to heaven. The good news of the gospel to me is that I can be actually known. I don't have to hide who I am, put forth masks, have to earn my way. But I can be known and I can be loved by a divine, holy God. And my biggest fear of having a life of no purpose could be answered. That he calls me to his kingdom work. Jesus stopped so that we can have community to be known and to be accepted. Jesus stopped so his, his bleeding woman can be known that she's known and accepted and loved. She's called daughter. She's part of a family. She's part of a larger community. That now, right now, that I can look at her, that she was here, we can say she's now my sister. And we can be known. I go back to Mark. I know we're so happy, and I am so happy that Jesus stopped for the bleeding woman. But can you imagine how Jairus felt? You know, he's probably thinking, like I said before, this is not an emergency room problem. This is a walk-in clinic problem. This is a, this is a take-your-time-make-an-appointment problem, Right? What are you doing, Jesus? Heal my daughter. She is about to die. And I want you to listen to this. I want you to hear this. I'm going to try to kind of fly through the rest of this. The lesson we learned here is God's blessing and God's grace almost never seems to operate according to our schedule and our sense of time. I'll say that again. God, the lesson we learned, God's blessing and God's grace almost never seems to operate according to our schedule and our sense of time. Every culture has a different sense of time. Waypoint Church knows that very well. Because I believe most of you guys come in at 9.15 on Sunday mornings. We get this. When I was in Africa, we always said this is Africa by meaning like this is Africa time. Because like picking up at 3 for me in Africa meant like maybe 6 or 7. I mean, it, was just, it was just different. It was just, there was a different sense of time. People have a different sense of time. It's just the reality. For me, when I say I'm going to be there at 8, I'm usually there at 7.55. My wife, 8.10. It's just, it's just the way we work. It's just people have different types of culturally speaking. It's, it's, it's relative. But God's blessing never seems to come when we want it, does it? His grace never operates almost according to our schedule and our timing. And I love when Jesus looks at Jairus and says, trust me. He looks at Jairus and he says, um, Jesus says to him, do not fear, only believe. I feel like in that statement, he's literally saying, don't fear, trust me. My timing might not look like your timing, but trust me, what he's saying in that time is do not fear. He's saying, hey, look back. He's looking to us, the readers. He's saying, look back. I calmed the storms. I healed the leper and the paralyzed. Maybe not in your timing, but in my timing. Trust me in my timing. He's saying to you, I want you to hear this. He says, I'll not be hurried. He says, I will not be hurried because I love you. It's not, I will not be hurried but I love you anyway. He's like, oh, whoa, whoa, I'm not going to go according to your time, but I love you anyway. No, he's saying, I'm intentionally 
not doing it according to your time. I'm intentionally not doing it according to your time because of this, because the delays teach us. I'll say that again, because the delays teach us. All sorts of lessons are learned because of this delay. It's very clear in this text that because of delay, we learn so much about faith. In general, and maybe in your experience and in my experience in general, the deepest lessons, the most priceless lessons I learned in the delays of God answering the prayers that I asked. The delay taught us more than we ever expected. This, de- this delay, first delay in this particular instance, taught us that Jesus does more than even we expected. You see, Jairus went to Jesus hoping to heal his daughter of some sickness, maybe of a fever or some sickness that was taking her life away. But instead, what happens? He resurrects her from the dead. He was only expecting a healing from some sickness, but Jesus does even bigger and more than he even expected. Delays teach us that Jesus does more than we even expect. Delays also teach us that Jesus cares so much more than just our physical healing. We see that in in, in the story of the bleeding woman. That in the delays, Jesus cares so much more than just our physical healing. He cares about the lessons that we're going to learn. And the delay taught us that his care and compassion is just as much for the important man's precious child as it is for the forgotten bleeding woman. His delay showed us that his compassion is equal. Whether you're an important man's daughter who's precious 12-year-old little girl or you're a forgotten, bleeding woman. So I kind of had to run through the last bit there, but I want you guys to hear that he's intentional about what he teaches us in the delay. That God's grace and opportunity is not dependent upon our own time and understanding of timing. Because in his delay, he teaches us. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we... God, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. God, that like the bleeding woman, that we can be known. God, that the healing that you give to us is not just a physical healing. God, but it's a healing that says that we can be known. God, in the midst of our, everything that we've done, everything that we feel, everything that we've thought, we can be known, but we can still be loved. God, your healing is so much deeper than physical that you actually take us by the hand. You grab a hold of our face and you call us son and you call us daughter. You give us identity true identity. So we thank you for the good news. God, we thank you that the way your, the way your healing and your, the way you, your, your grace and your opportunities come, God, is not based on our own concept of timing. But God, instead it comes in your timing. And that in the delays you teach us. In the delays you give us lessons that are priceless. That in the delays you show us that you do more than we could ever think, hope for, or imagine. God, we thank you that our confidence is found in you. God, our hope is found in you. And we thank you that you continue to teach us. God, may we know for those who are in this place, God, who feel lonely and empty, God, may we know the identity that you give us, the community that you've brought us into. And for those in this place who are frustrated in the waiting, God, may we know God, may we look at you and hear you say to us, do not fear. Hear you say to us, trust me. I'm the God who cast out demons. I'm the God who healed the paralyzed. I'm the God who resurrected the dead. There is purpose in my delay. So may we trust in you, in Jesus' name. Amen.